Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. So I guess y'all have heard that the Conservative Political Action Conference 2023 is being held right now. And apparently they are back in Washington, D.C. this year for the first time since 2020. It began on Wednesday and will run through Saturday. This is Friday and it's March the 3rd. So it runs through March the 4th. And of course, they're going to have lots of, lots of speechify in and lots of panels to discuss all of the issues that uh, are impacting the country today. But mostly just the issues that impact white Christian people because the rest yeah, they don't care about us. They don't care about anybody else but themselves. So, so far, we have, uh, well, if you're not watching, be thankful. I can't sit and watch the whole thing. I've watched a few little snippets, but I have a very low tolerance for these people. Representative Jim Jordan Republican from Ohio, serves as the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and he spoke yesterday morning, Thursday morning, about his vision for the Judiciary Committee's various various investigations. He's very, very concerned about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the suppression of Hunter Biden's lop laptop, the investigation into the entire Biden family. I believe he's concerned about all of that. So in other words, they're not doing really anything that helps the American people in any way. Senator Ted Cruz, always a fun person to listen to and watch, is currently serving as the ranking member on the Senate Commerce Committee. And, uh, he ran against Donald Trump back in 2016. Remember when Trump said that Cruz's wife was ugly and then Cruz started groveling at Trump's feet? It was really tacky and unpleasant to watch for an adult man to do that. Anyway, some people think he's going to run this year or run this next time for 2024. I haven't really heard and don't really care. I don't think he stands a chance, hopefully. But of course, the last time I said that was about George W. Bush. We know how that turned out. So maybe I better just shut up about that. Uh, Cruz spoke yesterday afternoon, Thursday afternoon. And of course, he is very concerned about Dr. Anthony Fauci, who he thinks should be thrown in jail for lying under oath. Hmm. Well, uh, Ted... Bud, I hate to tell you this, but a bunch of your peers in the Republican Party uh, sounds like they're going to be in trouble. Some of them have refused to even appear after they were subpoenaed. And there's been a lot of lying going on, I can tell you that. So 
Oh, well. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance just got elected in uh, Ohio. He defeated uh, Tim Ryan, who was a much better candidate. Ryan was a Democrat, of course. And Vance serves on the Senate Banking and Commerce Committee. And he tore into Attorney General Merrick Garland, saying that Merrick Garland needs to go. And uh, he shared a panel with Cruz also. And, you know, I can't say 100% that I disagree with Merrick Garland needs to go. He probably has a different reason than I do for thinking that. I'm thinking it because I kind of had hoped by now that indictments for some of these top people, like some of these people who are actually in Congress and maybe even attending this CPAC, uh, would have been indicted by now and arrested for the crimes that they commit, committed that we all saw on television. But for some reason, that hadn't happened yet. We've seen a lot of people charged and tried and imprisoned, but they are all the little people. I want to see some of the big people go down. Very, very much anticipating that. Senator Rick Scott, Republican from Florida, of course. He uh, became the senator in 2018. Previously, he was the governor of uh, Florida. And uh, before that, uh, he was the, um, the CEO of a... Um, company that committed the largest case of Medicare fraud in U.S. history. Yeah, Rick Scott, the person who's now the senator from Florida, after being governor of Florida, and, af and after having sat on the, <laughs> set out as an executive of a company um, that committed the largest case of Medicare fraud in U.S. history. And he wasn't really cooperative with the investigation. Rick Scott pled the Fifth Amendment 75 times, apparently, when he was deposed about the Medicare fraud. And the company was fined $1.7 I believe. It was a huge fine. And, you know, when you're, when you're committing fraud against Medicare, you are actually stealing from the American people. And these nutcases in Florida, after the company was found guilty, fined, and of course the company doesn't exist anymore, they rewarded Rick Scott's crime, his criminal behavior, by putting him in as the governor. Really, Florida? What the heck is wrong with you? Do you wonder why you can't... <laughs> get insurance for your houses? Do you wonder why your water that comes out of the tap is some of the nastiest in the country? I just don't get it. What the heck is going on down there in Florida? There must be something in that water because people down there are nuts. Why in the heck would you elect somebody that stole from you like that? I'll never, I'll never understand. Never, ever understand that. So anyway, um, yeah, so Rick Scott um, is uh, 
up for re-election in 2024. Hopefully, people in Florida, get rid of this guy. My gosh, he stole from you. You know, what is that in Animal House? Thank you, sir. May I have another when they're getting beat or whipped or paddled? Wasn't it paddling? I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I saw Animal House, but I remember somebody was saying, thank you, sir. May I have another? Come on, Florida. Wake the heck up. Anyway, uh, Rick Scott did challenge uh, Mitch McConnell to be the uh, minority leader. And uh, he lost. And uh, Scott defended his challenge and said that he uh, would like to apologize to absolutely nobody. And that probably includes the people of the state of Florida. He's not going to apologize to you for stealing from you. And he's probably giving you the mental middle finger at the same time, because he's thinking you're a bunch of idiots for rewarding him for stealing from you. Guy's a multimillionaire. Get him out of there, people. Come on. Wake up, Florida. Really? And of course, we've got Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican from Georgia. And uh, she was, uh, she appeared this morning, Friday morning. She is on the House Homeland Security and Oversight Committee, if you can believe that. <laughs> Those two committees, Homeland Security and the Oversight Committee. Uh, unreal. <laughs> um, yeah, Homeland Security. And she was uh, how involved in the January 6th insurrection where she was had only been in Congress for, what, three days and then had to ask for a presidential pardon? What did you do? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Someday we'll find out. Uh, anyway, um, she is uh, also on the House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Yeah. And uh, she has been defending herself against attacks by Democrats because she is trying to get a bill passed that would outlaw transgender surgeries for those under the age of 18. So, okie dokie. <laughs> um, Matt Gates is going to talk or has talked. And uh, I don't think he's actually been up there yet. Uh, James Comer, Representative James Comer. Of course, Matt Gates is Republican from Florida. James Comer is Republican from Kentucky. Uh, Representative Byron Donalds is a representative Republican from Florida. And uh, he's, uh, I think, is, has already spoken. He just finished, I think. It's uh, early Friday afternoon where I am. He was scheduled to speak at 1230 on Friday. I know that Nikki Haley has been up there. She's a presidential candidate for the Republican Party. And, of course, she was the governor of South Carolina from 2011 to 2017. She later served as ambassador to the United Nations under the Trump administration from 2017 until 2018. And uh, I know that she's been up there because I've seen stuff on social media, although um, I didn't watch because, frankly, I don't care what she has to say. Former Secretary of State. 
Uh, Mike Pompeo is scheduled to speak at 1.20 p.m. on Friday. So he has uh, probably spoken if they're on schedule. Can you believe that they've got the former Arizona gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, is on the schedule? The sore loser. Unreal. She is supposed to speak at the Ronald Reagan dinner at 7.30 tonight. Good grief. And former Hawaiian uh, representative from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard, who was a Democrat and now she's not. She was a Bernie Sanders supporter, supposedly. I cannot imagine anybody (laughs) going from Bernie Sanders To the Republican Party, you want to talk about polar opposites? And I don't care what she has to say because whatever she says when it comes out of her mouth is just BS, truly. Uh, Former Brazilian President uh, Bolsonaro, yeah, he's scheduled to speak at 2.05 p.m. on Saturday. And um, he lost his uh, reelection bid in uh, Brazil. He served as the president of Brazil from 2019 until the end of 22 and lost and uh, is another sore loser. And of course, we've got the Donald who is scheduled to speak at 5.25 p.m. on Saturday. Of course, he's running uh, to be the president again. And I really think the only reason he's doing that is because he knows that there is a truckload careening out of control, full of indictments and lawsuits headed his way. And he's already been run over by a couple of trucks full of his crimes that he's been accused of. So be looking for another grift from him because the uh, Department of Justice just announced that the police officers who were injured in the January 6th insurrection can, I guess, file uh, civil suits against Donald Trump. And there were how many police injured and hurt? Lots. So he's going to have a bunch of additional lawsuits headed his way, I think, pretty soon. And, of course, we've got to get the rest of the Oompa Loompas from the Republican side of the aisle up there. Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Eric Schmidt from Missouri, John Kennedy. I think he he has already spoken, I believe, uh, from Louisiana, uh, Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears. Elise Stefanik from New York and Jason Smith from Missouri. Those are both um, Republicans and conservative commentator Candace Owens is going to speak as well. But what is notable, of course, is that there are some Republicans who are not going to be there. For instance, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will not be attending. He was at the CPAC in 2022, and Vice President Mike Pence is not going to be there either, and he attended in 2020. But apparently both of the, uh, both Ron DeSantis and 
former VP Mike Pence are going to um, instead be at a retreat hosted by the Club for Growth, which is another conservative organization that uh, focuses on economics, which <laughs> from what I've seen from Republicans and economics, uh, Club for Growth, you ain't doing your job because the only people that are getting any growth out of Republican economic policies are the billionaires and the corporations because the rest of America is hurting. Uh, yeah, the Great Recession 2008 brought to you by George W. Bush, Republican and the Republican Party. And then, of course, let's not forget Donald Trump driving the bus into the ditch when uh, COVID-19 hit. He mishandled it completely, could have handled it much, much better, probably could have saved uh, hundreds of thousands of American lives. The economy was in the toilet. Joe Biden had to start off by getting the bus drug out of the ditch, just like President Obama had to do when he inherited that mess from George Bush. You kind of wonder what the Democrats would be able to do if they didn't have to <laughs> resuscitate the economy first before they could get started on things, because that's what they have to do. They, the economy's already gone. It's broken. And then they have to fix that and then they can start moving forward. And usually without any help for the, from the Republicans. Um, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy apparently is not going to be at CPAC this year either. And um, the uh, National Committee Chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, isn't going to be there. So there's a bunch of people that uh, aren't going to be at CPAC this year. It's almost as if CPAC is dwindling in popularity, you think? Do you think it might have something to do with the fact that the um, head of the American Conservative Union, which organizes CPAC every year, it's a guy by the name of Matt Schlapp, S-C-H-L-A-P-P, -P, and he's been accused of a sexual assault. Yeah, a staffer that was on Herschel Walker's Senate campaign said that Schlapp groped him without consent. And of course, Schlapp has denied the allegations, but apparently has not said anything about them at the CPAC. And I've seen that he was up on the stage sitting down talking to somebody, but I was, I kept going. I, I just, I just don't have time to uh, listen to this nonsense from the Republicans. So that's kind of what's going on with uh, CPAC this year. And um, if you are into self pain, you can turn it on TV. I think it's probably on C-SPAN. Part of it's being aired on, th I think it was C-SPAN. I will say that I have seen a couple of little snippets just on social media. I know that Don Jr., little, you know, little Don Jr., and you can apply that little however you want to, from what I understand. Uh, he spoke, and his... Is she still his girlfriend or is she officially the fiance now? 
you know, Kimberly Guillotine or Guilfoyle, whatever the heck her last name is. <laughs> I, I noticed that she was uh, speechifying for a little bit too. And uh, the, the camera from time to time on these little snippets will kind of pan out into the audience, but not for long because folks, there are a lot of empty seats. Now, I don't know if they're empty because it's Kim talking at the time or Don Jr. talking, but I would think if you show up, you're going to kind of plan on being there for the, the whole day at least, or the whole four days. I don't know how that works. <laughs> anyway, at least half, probably better than half of the seats uh, were empty, empty. So maybe this will be it for CPAC. Who knows? We'll see. This is a bit of a change of subject, but have you read the book by Prince Harry called Spare? Recently came out, and I actually listened to that book on Audible, and it was an interesting book. I read some of the reviews of other people who had listened to it, and a lot of them commented that they thought that Prince Harry was spoiled or entitled or privileged. And I, I kind of get that a little bit, but I mean, he was born into a royal family. So I think a little bit of that kind of goes along with birthright which I'm of the opinion that the royal family just needs to, like, go bye-bye at this point. I, the pomp and the circumstance and all of the palaces and all of that, and they still have people in England living on the streets while these old palaces sit empty. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, to me, uh, that's, I just, I can't. I can't abide by that at all. But anyway, uh, Prince Harry, I guess he's not really the prince anymore. I guess he's the Duke of Sussex and that his wife, Meghan Markle, the former Meghan Markle, is now the Duchess of Sussex. Although, I don't know, have those has that title been taken away from them? Maybe. Um... Uh, from reading the book, I can tell you that it seemed that Harry was very, he very much loved his mother, very much admired her and respected her. She, uh, of course, I'm talking about the late Princess Diana, and she'll always be a princess. I don't care. The royal family can try to take the titles away and whatever, but she will always be a princess. And I think the royal family had a problem with her because she was so popular and so loved by the British people and the world. Everywhere she went, she overshadowed the other royals. And it wasn't intentional on her part, I don't believe. I think she was just a good person. And she realized she was in a position to make a difference in people's lives 
because with the notoriety and the the being a public figure and having the press follow you around, you can bring attention to things and help people. And she did. She did. Did a lot of good for people and not just the folks in Great Britain, but around the world as well. And I just think the royal family had a huge problem with the fact that she was so popular. And then, of course, we had the former Prince Charles, who's now King Charles III, fooling around with that Camilla. What the heck was he thinking? I can't even imagine. Anyway, I think Diana was glad to get out of that situation as much as she could, but I think it, the, the family suffered, her kids suffered, and I think that uh, William and Harry definitely came first in her life. And the the royal protocols in some respects are absolutely cruel. At one point in the book, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but Harry, commented that he wanted to, like, hug his grandmother. And, of course, she was the Queen of England, but she is somebody's mom, and she is someone's aunt, and she is someone's grandma. And he wanted to hug her, but he couldn't because of protocol. And I thought, what kind of a screwed-up situation is that where a grandson cannot publicly give his grandmother a hug because she's the queen? That sucks. I'm sorry. That's just, that's stupid. It's not a sign of disrespect. My gosh, they're related. It's, they're supposed to love each other. He was talking about a ceremony when he was uh, serving in the military where the queen appeared, and apparently that was something she didn't normally do at that particular ceremony, but she, she attended it because Harry was, was in the graduating class or whatever. And her, her comment when she got to Harry was, oh, it's you, or hello there, or something like that. And it was like, what? I would certainly think that she could have get a, given him a hug and say, congratulations, I'm happy for you. I'm, but no, that's protocol, really? <sighs> I, to me, that's that's stupid, and it's not something worth preserving, in my opinion. But the grandmother and a grandson can't it can't express their affection for one another in public. Uh, no, and at one point, uh, when Harry found out that his grandmother was sick right before she died. Um, I guess she had already, I, I think she had already passed away, actually. And he went to Windsor Castle or wherever she was, and somebody there, I guess, asked if he wanted to see his grandmother, and he said yes. And they took him up to her bedroom, and he went into her bedroom where she was there, um, and I guess he was alone with her. 
for a few minutes in her bedroom. And he commented that that was only like the second time he'd ever been in her bedroom. And I thought, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, he commented that he hoped that she was happy and with, uh, um, with her husband. And it, it, it's kind of sad. And I have to say, King Charles... Is, has not been a good father, I don't think, at all. And again, it's like the royals are walking around with a two-by-four stuck up their butt. Some of them, anyway. And I don't know what's going on with William and Kate, and I guess I don't really care, but it seems like those two brothers have issues, and I certainly understand that. Completely understand that very well. But, um, you know, <laughs> the whole thing is just is just sad. And, and taking their titles away from them and all of that. The, the family wouldn't support them when the press was picking on Meghan. And it certainly sounded like they were picking on her. Of course, they picked on Diana as well. But Diana kind of figured out how to deal with it. But it, when you get the racial aspect in there, it makes it, it makes it worse. But before her death, the queen apparently gifted Frogmore Cottage to Harry and Meghan. And now, apparently, the... Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been asked to vacate the cottage, which is their official United Kingdom residence. And <laughs> they're basically being evicted. And apparently the property is owned by the Crown Estate, which I guess King Charles, which is Harry's father, King Charles III is the head of the Crown Estate at this point and apparently has offered it to Prince Andrew, who is King Charles III's, one of his brothers. Uh, you know, Andrew was the one that was hanging around with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and was allegedly involved in some of this child sexual stuff that was going on and has kind of been kept out of sight in England since then. But apparently when the press has asked Buckingham Palace, they commented that they would be offering no comment and that uh, these types of discussions would be considered private family matters and would not be discussed. So anyway, the the property, the Frogmore Cottage, is on the grounds of a big estate. It's just one of other buildings that are on this property. And um, this is uh, a, uh, I guess this building, this house goes back to the early 19th century. And Queen Elizabeth II gifted this to the Sussexes. 
and uh, let's see, it's it's uh, yeah, it's located on uh, the Windsor Windsor Estate, which is west of London. Windsor was where I believe where Queen Elizabeth II died. And apparently, the property needed to be refurbished before they could live in it. And they spent uh, about the equivalent of three million U.S. dollars redoing the property, and it was British taxpayers' money. And apparently, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle about that, and the couple, the the Sussexes, the Duke and Duchess, which is Harry and Meghan, have since paid back the public money after they relocated to California to try to get some peace. <laughs> but apparently they had to remove uh, a chimney and redo the roof and repair staircases, um, reinstall some fireplaces, and they installed a new floating wooden floor. And the last time that they stayed there apparently was during the Queen's funeral and they were there last summer also when uh, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations occurred. So I don't know. Um, the request that the Sussexes leave the property or vacate the property came just a couple of days after the release of the book Spare. So it would seem to be that this is somewhat in retaliation for the book. But, you know, what kind of a father is King Charles III? I'm sorry, he's cut off his son from financial support, which he, as a member of the royal family, he hasn't really been able to go out and get a job. He was in the military for a while. But his official duties kind of, and protocol, I'm sure you can't have a prince from the royal family out working at a 7-Eleven or at a Taco Bell, right? So it wasn't like he could just go out and get a job because that would have been prohibited. But then uh, uh, King Charles cut him off and apparently he has money that his uh, mother left for him, which is apparently quite a bit, but I think he's trying to save that for his kids for college and stuff like that. But, I mean, what a dick, really. King Charles III, what a dick to do that to your son. That's to me, is pretty disgraceful. But um, the public at large kind of had this uh, impression or perception of Harry that he was, uh, you know, a partier, fun-loving, very carefree, uh, just kind of doing whatever he wanted to do. And uh, he really was a lot deeper than that, although he did have his moments, but everybody growing up does. And he's 38 years old now. The impact of his mother's death was very devastating to him. He had a hard time accepting that she was really dead, apparently for a long time, because he 
he felt like uh, she was out there somewhere uh, trying to hide from the press, maybe. I don't know. It's very sad. And uh, he did experiment with drugs in order to help him cope with the grief of his mother. And uh, he had some issues finding somebody that uh, could love him enough that they could tolerate being attacked by the press and not having any privacy. So he's not exactly the pampered um, person that a lot of people thought he was. And uh, of course, Buckingham Palace has officially declined to comment on the book at all. And there was also a six-part Netflix documentary on the uh, former royal couple that um, was aired, I think, last year. And then they also had the interview, of course, with Oprah Winfrey back in 2021. And they alleged in the interview with Oprah, I believe, that there were some concerns in the royal family about Archie's skin color. Archie is the son, Harry and Meghan's son. And uh, they talked about feeling trapped and apparently Megan was so despondent and upset that when she was pregnant, her first pregnancy, she was actually considering suicide. Um, which is, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty pathetic, really. But I got to say, I, I was never all that impressed with the royal family. I thought Queen Elizabeth II did a, a great job. But... <sighs> I admire her for her lifetime of public service, but she um, lived pretty well during that time also. And I kind of think that those days of this royalty stuff just seems like that they've, now that she's passed away, uh, even from some of the things I've read about the British people, it seems like they're not all that fond of King Charles III certainly not as fond of him as they were his mother. And I've got to wonder how they would feel about William when uh, he becomes king, knowing that he's not been, I don't think he's been fair or kind to his brother at all. And I don't, this whole thing about, you know, being a spare, that just is sad sad. So I hope that Harry and Meghan do well. I hope their kids do well. Um, I, it seems that they enjoy living in the United States and I think the United States is probably happy to have them. And it's pretty sad when you have to leave your home country to live your life and to be basically disowned by your brother and your father Anyway, good riddance to all of it, I say, and, and I hope they do well. And it sounds like they've uh, found some things to do here in the United States that will allow them to live uh, at least as well as they lived before. And so I'm happy about that. But if you get a chance to read the book, it is interesting. It is it kind of destroys the image that you have of Harry. He's he's a much, much deeper person 
than I think a lot of people. He's he's a deeper person than I thought he was. I thought he was, like I said, very shallow, somewhat uh, privileged. Um, but he's a lot more down to earth, or at least that's the way he came across in the book. A lot more down to earth than what I thought. And I certainly understand the problems you have when you lose your mother at uh, at a young age. So I wish him the best. If you get a chance to read the book, if you are interested in the royal family at all, uh, I think you will enjoy it. And there's, there's things in there about Diana that uh, I wasn't aware of also. So if you're, if you're a fan of Princess Diana, which I think most people probably are, it's, uh, it's worth reading. Now, since I started off this episode talking about CPAC, and then I went to the former royals, naturally I'm going to end it with something logical, logical progression after those first two things, and we're going to talk about Keanu Reeves, right? I mean, CPAC, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and Keanu Reeves, they all go together, don't they? <laughs> anyway, a study has been published in the Journal of American Chemical Society, and it is about a fungus-killing compound that has been discovered. Apparently, it's quite effective, and uh, it was discovered by researchers in Germany. And they had to come up with a special name to identify this new fungus-killing compound. And they decided that they would... Uh, <laughs> Um, after <laughs> that they would uh, name it after the actor Keanu Reeves because of how he handles villains in movies like John Wick and The Matrix. He just kind of zap, you know, they're gone. He gets rid of them. They're, they're gone. They're eliminated. And that is what this compound does to fungi. Apparently, there are three natural compounds, and all of them have proved to be lethal to fungi, which is apparently a big problem. And the discovery comes at a time when the organisms uh, that are called fungi are becoming more and more resistant to all of the known antifungals that are out there. So the newly named microbes are effective against plants, but they found that the compounds, the molecules commonly found in bacteria called lipopeptides or lipopeptides, probably lipopeptides, I'm guessing, uh, were an effective treatment against human fungal infections. And apparently the lipopeptides kill so efficiently that they decided to name them after Keanu Reeves because he is very deadly in his roles, in his movie roles. Uh, 
And so the um, lipo, lip, lipopeptides have now been named keanomycins. That's K-E-A-N-U-M-Y-C-I-N-S. And those are the, the newly found antimicrobial compounds. And they're a natural byproduct of a bacteria known as pseudomonas, pseudomonas, P-S-E-U-D-O-M-O-N-A-S, which are typically found in soil and in water. And they have been studying these um, pseudo... Pseudomonas, <laughs> sorry, I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, uh, but they've been studying them to see how effective they are against predatory amo amoebas, and that uh, they found that these uh, actually are very toxic to amoebas, which feed on bacteria. And apparently these amoeba just love this stuff, and they just gobble it up, and it ends up zapping them. <laughs> so these newly named keanomycins um, have been named uh, keanomycin A, B, and C. And they, the researchers, when they started testing them initially, apparently tested them on a hydrangea that had been infected with a... Um, well, they're calling it, it's it, the, the, the scientific name for gold or for gray mold rot. And that's a fungus apparently that commonly infects certain fruits and vegetables and, and causes a lot of damage to harvests. And they, the researchers are reporting that the compounds are biodegradable and could prove to be an environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides in efforts to save the food supply, which would definitely be a good thing because I have been reading about all of the garbage that is in our food today. And if people wonder why we are having uh, more cancers and things like that, uh, it's probably corporate America putting a bunch of garbage in the food that we eat and spraying chemicals on stuff so that so that they can make more money. It's cheaper to process and it lasts longer and they can make more money. And if it kills people, eh, what the hell, we'll make more, right? Corporate America, one of the biggest enemies that we've got. Clear and present danger, in my opinion. So, anyway, the these keanomycins are effective against um, uh, a nat type of a natural yeast that's typically found in the human um, microbiome, uh, but can overgrow and turn into a severe infection. And a lot of the things that we have to treat infections now are becoming less effective because they've been abused to some degree by people. When they tell you to take the whole bottle uh, when you're prescribed an antibiotic and you don't do it, uh, and then it comes back and gets you, well, guess what? It's going to be harder to get rid of the second time. So do what your doctor tells you to do. So anyway, uh, there has been a um, lot about fungal infections lately. So this apparently comes out at a pretty good time. 
and the fact that they seem to be environmentally friendly and deadly to the fungi that people want to get rid of, that is a good thing. So anyway, researchers have said that uh, Keanu, Keanu myosins are, quote, good lead structure candidates for the development of antifungal drugs, end quote, and that according to this, the research that has been done, uh, they could turn out to be a new treatment option in an area where they are desperately needed. Researchers said they will be carrying out further testing on the compounds to see if they are effective at treating other things. And um, so, anyway, Keanu Reeves, congratulations. You have a new antifungal compound named after you, Keanu Myosin. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to let you go. It's Friday afternoon, and I'm going to try to get this uh, sent out later tonight. And uh, as I said in, uh, I think I just sent one out, actually. But uh, there'll be another one coming. This one probably will hit for Saturday. And uh, I should have one on Sunday also. So you sh there should be episodes on both Saturday and Sunday. I'm sure that you're overjoyed to hear that. <laughs> have a great weekend, unless you have other plans. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm -hmm.